In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In order to save a little bit of time and lots of questions after this service, I want to to rise to a point of personal privilege as I start today. Um, My black eye. Um, Susie's not been beating me. I have what is known as um, BPPV. It's a form of vertigo. I've had it for over a decade. And this past week, I lost my balance and ran into a door jam. And yes, I have a doctor's appointment with an ENT. It's the first time I've ever fallen, and I don't want to do it again. So when you shake my hand, don't ask. (laughs) I've told them the story enough. Okay, let's shift gears. Today, we've come to the first Sunday in Advent, the beginning of a new church year. Let me be among the first to wish you a happy new year and to ask you if you have your resolutions done yet. One of the secular New Year traditions that my family has, or what, had, was to gather together for a lunch or a dinner on New Year's Day and have a meal. Those of us who were raised in the South, we know what that means. Hog jowl, black-eyed peas, and collard greens. I know there are other traditions in other parts of the country. We ate this so that in the coming year we would become healthy, wealthy, and wise. For many, many years, during the meal, someone, actually it was the same person every year, but I won't identify her, would say, I only hope that this year is better than last year. Every year, that was said. (laughs) And the rest of us would murmur our agreement. It is my prayer for us as a congregation and for you and I as individuals that as this new spiritual year unfolds our own spiritual health, wealth, and, and um, wisdom will improve over the coming days. The coming days before the people with whom Jeremiah has lived and among whom he has prophesied for a number of years are not going to be better than the past. For many years, Jeremiah has been calling to the people of the southern kingdom of Judea to change their ways, to repent and return to the way of the Lord, to leave behind that which has distracted them, and to again be in right relationship with one another and with their God. Now the time has run out. Jeremiah lived just a short distance from Jerusalem, and he was the son of a priest. So he was aware both of the spiritual decline of the the Hebrew people as well as the political and military uh, realities of the day in which he lived, and things were not good. The formerly powerful nation of Assyria to the north had been defeated by a new powerhouse, the Babylonians. The Babylonians were on their way to make war with the Egyptians, the other major nation in the region, and between the two lay the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel had already been captured by the Babylonians and the Babylonians were about to take Jerusalem for the second time. The jig was up. A cliff was rapidly approaching them, and there was little doubt that the Hebrew people would tumble off the cliff and fall into exile. 
Now, Jeremiah could have spoken up and said, I told you so. Would you not listen to me? No. And now you're going to get what you deserve. But he did what all great prophets do. Rather than chastise or rebuke or reject the people he had been sent to be a prophet to, to be a messenger of God's word and will, Jeremiah looks into the future. He looks down the path to see what is in store for the Hebrew people. Yes, for the present time, it would seem that the end of the world as the Hebrew people had known it is at hand. But that's not the whole story. It is clear to Jeremiah that the Lord has lost no power, no control, no authority. God is still in charge. Yes, a cliff is here. But that's not what we have to fear. What we have to fear is the desperation and the fear that knowing something's out there that we can't control, something out there in front of us. And so Jeremiah proclaims these words. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I have made. I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for the house of David. He shall execute justice and righteousness. Judah will be saved. And then he refers to the Messiah. The Lord is our righteousness. Now, Jeremiah is not concerned about the timing of the coming of this fulfillment of God's prophecy, of God's word. What's important to him is that it will come, not today, not tomorrow, but it will come. God will fulfill the promise of redemption for God's people. God keeps God's promises always. Have you ever cut a tree or a shrub down and left it alone for a few months thinking you'll pull the roots up in the, when you get around to it and you've gone back and it's already sprouted new, new shoots? I have. I left it there. <laughs> if that bush wanted to live that badly, I was going to leave it alone. So it is that from the great house of David, a new branch will spring up in the future. And this branch will be very different than anyone before it. It will be the Messiah. It will come forth and it will bear fruit. It will teach and it will give shade and comfort. A new and different branch that will come forth will bring saving grace and wholeness. It will be the long-expected Messiah. The Lord is our righteousness. And the nature of this new branch will be marked by right relationships with God and with each other. True justice will be the hallmark of this branch. As right relationships deepen and justice spreads among the people of God, we too will be transformed. God's salvation will be and is at hand. This salvation will not just be for those in power, not just for kings and queens and princes, not for those who have great money, but will be for all people, for all of Judah will be saved. The Messiah is near. The Lord is our righteousness.
Okay. Let's stop for a minute and think about it. What does this mean to us here and now? What does this ancient promise of God mean to us today? What does it mean for us to when we hear Jesus say that there is a day coming when the Son of Man will be seen, will come to us in a cloud with power and great glory? What do these promises mean to us in the midst of our often busy lives, often too hectic, often too crazy lives in the 21st century? What does it matter that one day the Son of God will come to us if we have fallen off a cliff, one of the cliffs that surround us on every side? We have ever-increasing demands on us from all sides. Longer hours at work, less available income. Some of us are looking for work and have been looking for a long time. More messages from the world about what things, what possessions, what technology we have to keep up with in order to be a part of this ever-rapidly changing world and in order not to be left behind. Add to all these internal and personal struggles, the external noise of everyday life, and the pressure increases ever more. Floods, famines, superstorms, global warming, bloody conflict around the world, fiscal cliffs, violence on our streets, violence to the point that innocent children are shot in their homes and some of them killed. The list goes on and on and on. Too much noise. Too much. Shh. Be quiet. It is Advent. The Son of God is coming to redeem all the world. Jesus loves us beyond measure and has already done the hard work on the cross that we can't do for ourselves in our lives. He has forewarned us of the gifts of the cliffs on all sides of us and called us to be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with the worries of life and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. Be quiet. Turn away from the noise. Shh. It's Advent. The attitude of Advent is one of preparation, one of getting ourselves ready for the fulfillment of God's Word in our midst, the incarnation of the living Word, Jesus our Christ, one of quieting ourselves with prayer and of having in us the holy hope that God wants us all to have. The kingdom is coming. A righteous branch has sprouted from David's line, and he will do what is right and just in the land. Jesus has come. He is here with us now, and he will come again. We are called to be ready for him when he does return. In this holy season of Advent, be about praying and loving and doing the things that he has commanded us to do. Shh. It's Advent. Amen.